Are you working? What kind of work do you do? We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. From the makeshift studios in Mullica Hill, New Jersey. It's talking ish with your commish. Regular season, fellas, in the books. Year four. I think it's been one of the most competitive years yet. And we're going to get to the playoff picture. We're going to say goodbye to some teams that are. Their seasons are over. And we're going to reveal, though it's no surprise, who will be pel- getting pelted with paintballs. At the draft next year. All right, but before we get into that, we've got some stuff that's going on around around the world of the uh, football society, if you will. Uh, most notably, since we last uh, checked in with each other, Kareem Hunt got himself into a little bit of trouble, didn't he? You can't do that shit, man. You're a fucking like you're an athlete. You're on the world stage. Every eye is on you, and you're only one TMZ click away from having your career destroyed. And that's exactly what's going to happen to this guy. And I feel bad. Because, like, in all honesty, yeah, what he did was wrong. You can't fucking put your hands on a woman. We all know that. I'm not going to beat that dead horse. Like, there's no question that he was in the wrong here. But I feel bad because he's a kid. He's still a kid who got himself into a situation where he let his temper get the best of him, which happens to all of us. Let's not act like we're all, like, high and mighty, and we don't get angry and yell at at women, because we do, and if you say you didn't, you're a liar, but, like, you know not to, like, cross that line, like, you know you can get angry, and you fucking, like, want to punch a wall, because they're fucking just pissing you off, but you never touch them, that's the difference, and he crossed that line, which is why he fucked up, but the really, the real reason I feel bad for Kareem Hunt, check out this stat, so with 110 yards from scrimmage and nearly a touchdown a game, through his first 27 games with the Kansas City Chiefs, Kareem Hunt was on pace for a four-year, $45.5 million contract extension. Now he may never play another game in the NFL. That's fucking wild, that you would just do something so stupid to throw away all of that money. And it's, the, it's all about the money. And you know what? I think the NFL should get fucking hammered for this. And I feel like there's not the outrage that there once was when the Ray Rice shit went down. Like, fucking NFL, once again, has dropped the ball. Like, if you're going to be this evil, creepy empire that just doesn't give a shit about their players' conduct off the field, then fucking act accordingly. Like, buy that tape from TMZ and fucking bury it. That's what they wanted. That's what they should do the way that they're handling these situations. Because what they're telling me as a fan is that They don't give a shit about domestic violence and all that stuff that goes on off the field, and it's not their problem. Which, you know, if that's the stance you take, I can kind of see that. I can kind of see you not wanting to be the police or the moral authority, because that's not your job to do that. But you have taken the opposite stance, and you have put a stake in the ground and said, we are the moral authority, and we will persecute players off the field for shit that they did that they shouldn't have done. But if you're going to take that stance, you're going to be this authoritarian, then you got to take care of situations like this. You knew a video was coming. It's not like you didn't know a video was going to come out and we were all going to see it and then all be able to judge for ourselves. If you knew the video existed and you didn't 
buy it, watch it, and then act accordingly, you fucked up and you don't care. And that's the message you're sending. And I don't know why the NFL's not getting blasted for this. Like, where are all these, like, groups that were fucking after the NFL the last time? This one's even more heinous, in my opinion. Not the act itself, not the video, not the situation of Kareem Hunt versus Ray Rice. Ray Rice was way more violent and way more egregious. But this one, you had the advantage of having gone through this before. Like, the Ray Rice thing happened. You had that whole blunder on the public stage of, of fucking that up and really, honestly, making every misstep you could in handling that situation. And you don't put that into practice from, what, like, what you learned from that situation. You don't put into practice now with Kareem Hunt. And that's, that's just stupid. That's just bad management, to be honest with you. So NFL needs to fucking figure their shit out. They talked about it on Monday Night Football a little bit in what was like two solid minutes of just the most awkward television I've ever watched. Like, you have Jason Witten and Booger McFarlane, who, oh, yeah, that's the guy I'm thinking of. I want to go to them and get their perspective on domestic violence. Well, you know, you should never put your hands on a woman. Hitting women is bad. And I would never hit a woman. And my mom was beaten and all that stuff or whatever happened. And Jason Witten's situation is actually fucked up. So I guess, yeah, maybe he is, like, kind of a kind of authority on it. But he's, an, he's a fucking meathead. He, wouldn't, he can't, like, verbalize, I guess, what he experienced and what he went through. Neither can Booker McFarlane. And I don't, you know, I don't know that it is the place of Monday Night Football to co- even comment on it. If I were them, I would have just kind of maybe brought it up, let it go. I don't know. I wouldn't have gone on the diatribe they did. That broadcast is just brutal. ESPN, I've talked about it before, just Libcuck City over there trying to appeal to all, like, those PC culture bullshit norms, and it's costing them in the ratings, it's costing them in the bank. But that's neither here nor there. In other uh, sports news, in the city of Philadelphia, we've all kind of been glued to this Markel Fultz situation, and I have watched it because I'm, hey, this guy was the first overall draft pick. And I can't remember in recent history, or even ever, there being a situation like Markel Fultz with a number one overall draft pick. Usually those guys turn out to be superstars in the league. Every now and then you have your busts. But I think this is like the mega bust. After seeing 10 specialists and like consulting with his lawyer slash agent, as it's always quoted in the media, um, they've determined that he has thoracic outlet syndrome. Whatever the fuck that is. Apparently it's when you're like... Something, you're, something's pressing on your nerve or something. He can't feel shit in his like hands and, and shoulder or whatever or neck. I don't know. It sounds made up to me. It sounds like an excuse trying to cover up for the fact that this kid just forgot how to shoot the goddamn ball. Um, he's, got, yeah, he's got the yips. I think it's a mental thing. And maybe there is some validity to this shit, but all it tells to me is that Markel Fultz, I think, is trying to create a narrative for himself. Because right now he's been... Completely marginalized on the Sixers roster. I think the fans are starting to sour on him a little bit. And he sees a situation that he doesn't necessarily feel comfortable in. And I think that's where that trade request shit came from. He felt a little insecure. So now they're creating the narrative that, you know, it's not, he's not a mental case. He's got a thing and we're going to fix it. And he's going to be the number one draft pick like you thought he would be. That's the narrative they're trying to paint. And I think that's just trade bait for other teams. I think that's what they're trying to do. Now, 
if this turns out to be an injury and all those reports true, like proved to be false that he's not actually going to be traded and that he never requested trade talks, and this really is a legitimate injury, then more power to him. But I still think, at best, he's the point, bar, point guard coming off the bench. That's Markel Fultz. So we'll see. We'll see how they do in Toronto tonight. Um, you've probably already watched the game. We probably really know the outcome by the time you listen to this. That's cool. That's cool. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about an experience I had. Um, it's of a Christmas story. Since we are getting around the holiday season and we're starting to think about Christmas, you know, Christmas is a, it's a good time of great joy. You know, there's those magical decorations, the holiday cheer, and you, you know, all the reflection of what's good in the world. And this is, uh, this is usually the case, you know, you're going through your holiday season, there's joy, and then you go to the mall. And the mall during the holidays is a real who's who of detestable, just disgusting creatures. I honestly, I feel like there's like a portal somewhere where during the holiday season, this portal just opens up and they ship in motherfuckers from like a different dimension that are just the rudest, ugliest, most awful fucking people you could imagine. That or somewhere in hell, they're manufacturing these motherfuckers and sending them to us during Christmas season and giving them one objective. We need you to go to the mall and just loiter around. We just want you to be around the mall, just hanging out there, taking up space, contributing pretty much zero to society. Now, my experience involves a... um, an adventure that Jen and I took going to the mall to take pictures because apparently there's a JC Penny. Those still exist. We went to a JC Penny and we found out that they have what's called the, uh, you know, JC Penny portraits where they take professional photographs of you and they allow you to bring dogs, which was weird. Uh, I didn't expect that, but then you get there and shit starts to make a lot more sense. This place is allowing dogs because it is literally a fucking zoo. The people at this place are just... you. I couldn't even make them up how crazy these fucking people were. So first of all, we have to walk into a JCPenney, which I had to find because we go to the Deptford Mall, um, which is in the rankings of malls. The Deptford Mall is probably a place that you would not choose to go to. I only choose to go there out of the proximity to my home, which is in Bumblefuck Nowhere here in Mulca Hill. So we go to JCPenney. Um, we have to bring the dogs in through the actual mall itself to the second floor because it makes a lot of sense to put the picture place where you bring dogs. People are like, they literally advertise that you bring dogs. They want you to bring them through the entire mall, pretty much, or in through, the, through the entire JCPenney into the upstairs. So they got to take an elevator or an escalator. My dogs can't do an escalator. My dogs can hardly walk up the fucking stairs. So we have to take the elevator. And the last time my, my dogs took an elevator, they pissed in it. So that's all I'm thinking. I'm walking through the fucking mall. People are looking at me like, uh, are you allowed to have those dogs here? I'm trying to shop here for my family for the holidays, and you're over there with two giant beasts, and they are just sniffing everything. They're going crazy. So much stimulation in the mall. It's fucking bright. It's fucking loud. There's tons of fucking people, and everything fucking smells like something else. So I thought this was going to be like, you know, you, they take you back into a room. You're there by yourself. You don't have to be surrounded by people. Little did I know, this is J.C. Penny, where you're getting these pictures pretty cheap because of the experience is not one that you want to remember. So we walk up through the mall, or through the J.C. Penny, into the second floor, into the back corner of the J.C. Penny on the second floor, and there's the photo studio. And there's like a hundred fucking people in the lobby, and they're all staring at us. 
because not only did we bring our two giant dogs, we're dressed like fucking assholes. And you'll see what I mean. I'm going to send all of you. Everyone on this podcast is getting a, a, um, a Christmas card from us. So you'll see how fucking ridiculous I looked. And you'll remember this story. And you'll be like, holy shit, this is what he was talking about. He looks like an asshole. He's got these two dogs. And it's a mix of people, man. Like, what a diverse crew we had. Like, society would be proud of the diversity of this crew. You had your, uh, your, your standard white trash family that was there taking pictures and shit that this, they were, like, way too dressed up. There was, like, a fat chick who was, like, pretty much dressing like she's a ballerina, uh, like a six-year-old ballerina. And we're like, honey, you can get dolled up all you want, but you're still really fucking fat. There was the um, regular uh, black woman from the islands and then her sister, who I, I think she was her sister, who was Bluslam. So a Bluslam and a, uh, just your standard, like, Trinidadian lady. And they had a slew of kids with them, like, a hundred fucking kids. And, like, they were all, like, kind of, like, had weird things of their own. There was, like, one I'm pretty sure may have been somewhere on the spectrum of autism. Um, but me and Jen tried to work with them. You see, Jen's very sensitive to those types of things. So she jumps in, and she's, like, she's trying to get him to pet the dogs. He's scared to fucking death of the dogs. He's trying to, like, steal shit from the store. Like, there was a shelf with, like, shoes and shit on it. And he's just picking them out. And the lady's like, no, you can't touch that stuff. Like, that's the merchandise. Don't touch that. He's just like, fuck you, bitch. I'm going to take take these shoes off the fucking rack. So we're trying to interact with this little youngin to keep him out of trouble because he keeps getting yelled at. And he wants nothing to do with the dogs. And I'm pretty sure he's, like, thinking to himself, if I could get my hands on an animal, I'd kill it. Like, this kid was, like, that kind of, that kind of, like, weird vibe to him. Where he was like, he's definitely the kind of kid who at home, he like catches cats and dissects them. Because he gets like some kind of weird pleasure out of that. So that's the kind of situation we're dealing with here at the J.C. JCPenney. Um, you got a weird kid who wants to tear apart cats. You got the fat girl in the corner trying to uh, relive like her glory years of being like six-year-old ballerina when her dad still loved her. Um, you got the uh, the Trinidadian mother, the half-bloods, <laughs> the her sister, who's a bluslam, um, and then just, like, this guy, uh, oh, I don't know if he was there by himself or what, but he definitely, he was definitely a creep and a child molester. So that's just, like, throw that all in, mix it in a blender, that's the J.C. Penny photo experience. But I'll tell you what, when we finally did get back into the room two hours later, it was a pretty good experience. The fucking photographer was annoying as shit. She thought she was literally, like, uh, some kind of, like, master photographer and also a dog whisperer. She's, like, trying... She's, like, yelling at my dogs to get them to sit. And I'm, like, they're not going to listen to you. My dogs, like, don't... They only they literally only listen to us because they don't fucking respect you. My dogs demand respect. And she's, like, oh, I went to behavioral school for two years. And I'm, like, oh, how'd that turn out for you? Now you're a fucking photographer at a JCPenney. This like this fucking white trash bitch. She took great pictures, man. She did a great fucking job. If you can't tell, I'm a little sauced. I was a little sauced yesterday when we went to the pictures because I was like, "Holy shit, I gotta go out to public like this," and uh, I had to get a little sauce before it. So the whole thing was fucking weird, but the pictures turned out great. And uh, yeah, you'll I think you'll enjoy them. I think you'll enjoy the Christmas card. Uh, I had a hell of a time making it. We made some new friends for sure. Uh, friends for life. And that's what life's all about. New friends. And weird kids who take apart cats and shit.
So before we get to the recaps and start to talk about the playoffs, I wanted to introduce a new segment I'm calling the Commission's Corner. This is where we cover something a little bit more, I I guess, adult and serious. And just have a brief moment, and I won't take too much time, but to reflect on something that's important or an important issue that's going on right now or some serious thing that I want to address. So for the first Commission's Corner, we're going to talk about the passing of our nation's 41st president, George Herbert Walker Bush. Now, regardless of where you stand on the political spectrum, I don't really give a shit. H.W. Bush should be remembered as the last great soldier statesman. That's what they said about him today at his funeral. In a historical context, I guess his presidency is largely overshadowed by the legacy of Ronald Reagan and the scandals and all that shit that followed with Bill Clinton. The four years that he was president, I don't want them to be overshadowed by history because I think they were four important years for this country. And it was the last time politics was truly about what is best for America. H.W. Bush was a gentleman in politics. He didn't make enemies. He just tried to find common ground and treat his adversaries politically like opponents and not enemies. And there was never a more qualified candidate for the presidency. He was a former Navy pilot turned self-made millionaire in the oil industry. He went on to become the ambassador of the United Nations under Nixon, the chairman of the Republican uh, National Committee. Uh, Gerald Ford appointed him to chief of the liaison office in China and then subsequently appointed him to the CIA, the head of the CIA. And then he finished off before he became president by serving as vice president under Ronald Reagan. And that's an administration that many look at as a turning point in America, Um, a a time that forever changed the way we are on the world stage, economically, and all that stuff. Um, So while he was only a one-term president, I think his legacy is impactful even today. He was a master diplomat. He knew how to get people to work together to do something he wanted them to do. He wanted to intervene and stop Saddam in the Persian Gulf War. He got the United Nations to work together, and they launched that assault. And that's the right way to do it. You get people to buy in, and then you do what you got to do. And he brought America to that world stage from a foreign policy standpoint in a period of time that was very tumultuous. He navigated our country through the end of the Cold War. And as the Berlin Wall fell in 1989 and the Soviet Union dissolved two years later, he was there to make sure that we came out on top and I think when you look around the world right now, you'll see the impact of that. He also signed NAFTA, the North American Trade Agreement, which has forever changed the way that business is done in this country, which has its advantages and disadvantages. But I think there's proof in its effectiveness in the fact that we pretty much modernized it very recently under the Trump administration. So it's still working. So while many will remember him for all the the goofs and blunders, in the 1992 election where he was like looking at his watch, but that's a whole nother story. I think George H.W. Bush was, in my opinion, a, a good president. And, and his legacy as a president should stand as a testament that there's a certain prestige to being president. And the way he went about it, I think, was the most presidential of, of all I can think of in my lifetime because I was very young. When uh, he took office, I was a a wee little baby, but I've looked back and I've studied him, and I really do think that he's somebody we should remember. So I want you, if anything, to take away this, 
George H.W. Bush is a shining example of how to lead a country. And it's a shame he did not get four more years. This has been Commission's Corner. This podcast is brought to you by Jewel. Again, Jewel sponsoring the podcast. That's so cool of you, Jewel. That's pretty cool, Jewel. Um, I've been ripping the Jewel since Nam. Get your Jewel today. All right, so last week's matchups did not shift anything. <laughs> Literally nothing changed from week 12 to week 13 in terms of the standings. Same teams are going to the playoffs, and the same teams are going home. And uh, I think I'll start by um, talking about our last place finisher, Maxwell Ezra Stein Rosanelli. We're going to paintball him, and it's going to be great. We're going to make paintballs fucking great again. And it's going to be epic. You're going to wear a Donald Trump mask that I'm going to find. I am open to suggestions. If you any of you want to just shoot me a text, if you find a mask that you think might be fitting, maybe we'll put it to a vote on on the uh, the group chat there. And uh, we'll get this thing going. I'm pretty excited for it. It's a shame for you, brother. You know, you get a kid, you're all excited, you're kind of distracted, and now you're getting paintballed. Three and ten, it's an abysmal way to finish the season. And uh, see you next year, brother. Dave coming in right behind Stein, just avoiding paintballs. But my man did a hell of a job managing the squad, got down the run, knew the heat was on, and was like, fuck that, not getting paintballed again, and got out of the fucking way. And good on you, brother. Uh, four and nine for him. He finishes the season last place in the Gentile division. But I am sure he's coming back next year with fucking vengeance because I think he learned a lot from this year. Dave really grew as a manager. Really proud of him. But we'll see you next year, buddy. Uh, then after, uh, after Stein there in the, uh, in the Jew division, kind of falling off. Fell off a fucking, fell off the earth. Mark finishing at 5-8. and eight. He will miss the playoffs. No playoffs for him this year. It's been a little, little tough for Mark since winning the championship. Hasn't really, he's kind of hung around but not gotten back to where he was that first season where he passed the commissionership off to me and then won the championship. Collusion? I don't know. Maybe. Do we need a special counsel to decide? I'm a little drunk. Sorry. And then the first team out of the playoffs at 5-8. and eight. Couldn't get it done against Sifo. Uh, it's Zach Moron in his first year in the league fails to make the playoffs. I'll be honest with you. If you're listening, Zach Moron, a little disappointed with your first year. Thought I was going to get more out of you. I was really excited to have you join, and uh, let me down. <laughs> Call in, brother. Talk some shit, would you? Would it kill you? All right. All right, so before I get into uh, the playoff picture, because now you know the teams who are out, we're going to talk about the teams that are in. Before we get to that, I want to go through my podcast grades. First time I've done this. So this is something I'm going to do on an annual basis. I'm going to review you guys. Just like I help you'll review me. And I'm going to give out grades for your participation on this here podcast. I'm going to start with the good guys. The A's. I'm giving out three A's this year. A's go to Dave, Mike, and Jake. The anchors of the podcast from a contribution standpoint. Always contributing great stuff. Dave and Mike. Always contributing solid shit. In great volume. Jake delivering shit pretty much consistently. With great quality. So A's for you guys, solid fucking shit from you. 
Uh, our next letter grade, I'm going to give a B to. B goes to Mark. Mark's getting a B. He, uh, he contributed where he could. I know he's busy with school and shit. I think you can still, like, just shoot me some stuff when you're on the shitter, bro. Whether it's text or, or sounder, shoot me some shit. This year, you're getting a B. Um, and then this one I'm very proud of. And don't be discouraged by the fact that it's a C plus because it's a good grade for you. You're, you contributed this year, and I'm proud. I'm proud of that. Zefo, getting the C plus. That's a passing grade, my friend. You're doing great. You're doing great. You're doing good stuff, brother. Um, Steino, he's getting, I know he had a baby, uh, so I'll, I, I gave him some points for that. Contributions from her this year. And you were so contributive last year. Maybe it's just the fact that you were losing this year. C for your podcast rating. C. Um, BJ, I'm going to give a C minus two. He did contribute here and there. Need some need some strength from you. Give me some of those noises again. I, li- I really enjoyed that last year. Get that grade up. Zach Moron, I'm giving a D to. I'm getting a D, brother. Contributions were weak. You're, uh, you sat your, your defense the one week. I don't know if that was strategic or, or what, but it really, like, it, it really shook things up here in the league, and it made a big difference. Not that I, uh, like, it helped Dave out, which I'm happy for, but questionable management there, brother. That and your contributions, D. And then, of course, our only failing grade because of no contribution to the podcast. Joe, if you're getting an F. Um, it's a harsh grade to give out, but I need, some, I need something. Shoot me something. Fucking email. A text, a sounder, a chihuahua. I don't know. Send me something. Those are your podcast grades. All right, now to the playoff preview. We have two matchups coming out in this first round of the playoffs. We'll start with our first matchup, the sixth seed, your commish, versus the number three seed, Jof. The commish at six and seven. The last team in the playoffs. This is the commission's second playoff appearance. You remember how his first one went. It resulted in a championship. And yes, I am here to defend the crown, but it is a much different commish team this year. Injuries, letdowns really plagued the commish. Uh, but I think I've done a little bit on the management side to bring in some guys with some firepower. So we'll see if it pounds out or not. The commish is not the first team with a losing record to enter the playoffs, but no team with a losing record has ever advanced to the championship game. Can I get it done? The commish was 2-6 and six against playoff teams this year with wins coming against Mike and Jof. And uh, Jof and me split the season series at one game apiece this year. Jof won a contest by .3 points. So this is a very exciting matchup, I think. The commish is 3-2 and two all-time against Jof. So in the history of the league, 3-2 and two against Jof, only separated by 30.2 points. So historically, this has been a pretty good matchup. Uh, the commission enters this one 3-2 and two in his last five games. So a little bit of momentum coming in to the series. Jof at 9-4 enters the playoffs as the third seed. This is Jof's first playoff appearance. And like we mentioned the last time, he is one of the most consistent teams in the league. He did not have a sub-100 performance all fucking season. 13 weeks, no sub-100s. That's pretty good. He also enters the matchup 4-1. His last five games. So talk about heat. He's bringing the fucking heat, entering hot. He was five and two this season against playoff teams, having beat every single playoff team at least once, um, including including Jake and myself. 
So, Joe fences the matchup hot. I think this should be a pretty exciting one, the rubber match of the series this season. Winner will advance to face the champion of the Jew division, who earned himself a bye, resting up his players, Mikey London. So winner takes on Mike, who's a little banged up at the moment, but both teams clamoring for a shot at that fantasy football crown. Will Joe take down the commish, the champion? We shall see. We shall see. Our next matchup, we have Fox, the number five seed, taking on Jake, the number four seed. Fox at seven and six enters at the five seed, and yet another playoff appearance. He's now made the playoffs in every single year of our league's existence. He actually has the most wins of all time in our league. He's 35 and 21 overall in our four years, and he enters the playoffs three and two in his last five games. He's two and five this year against playoff teams, however. Uh, with one win coming against the Kamish, but one coming against his opponent this week in Jake. Jake at 9-4 enters as the four seed. Uh, his third playoff appearance in three years. Looking at all-time numbers. This is a stat I have for Jake. So looking at all of our records of those original members to have a winning record. So the teams that have been with us from the start that have a winning record all have a championship except for Jake. Jake has a winning record, but no championship. Will this be the year he gets it done? Can Jake join the club? It remains to be seen. He comes into the playoffs 3-2 and two in his last five, but he's won three straight games. And he's 5-2 and two this year against playoff teams, also having beat every single team in the playoffs. Now in Jake's previous playoff appearances, he did not win, so that he has yet to have that elusive playoff win and he's looking to get it done here against Fox. Now, historically, Fox has gotten the best of Jake, having a 5-2 advantage in the all-time series. Um, and no team has, has historically scored more points against Jake than Fox. Fox is actually holding a 106.4 point differential advantage over Jake all time. And of the original members, that's the fourth largest point differential separating two teams. And in case you were curious, and I know you are, you know I'm running the stats the largest point differential between two teams all time was me over Tom with 215 points between us all time. Of the current members, Zifo's differential over Dave is the largest. Um, so of the teams that are still here, uh, Zifo has the largest point differential over Dave with 169.8 points, followed by mine over Mark at 154.4. So if Jake gets this done, it'll be against all of what history tells us, which honestly doesn't matter because... It's the tale of different years, my friends, and this year Jake's team is the better team. But he enters the week with some tough matchups for his squad, um, particularly looking at that L.A. Rams-Chicago Bears matchup. Could be a problem for Jake's. Altered the projections to actually have him finishing right now a few points behind our boy Zifo. Zifo the favorite by the stats through ESPN entering the contest. The winner of this game will go on to face the league's top team in BJ the Chicago Kid in what should surely be a very tough matchup. BJ, a very formidable opponent. So those are the that's the playoff picture. Those are the teams still left. So basically, you'll have this game, which will decide the two teams that will enter the championship based off of the winners of those matchups against the buys. That was a terrible way to explain it, but we got there. And uh, uh, good on you. Good on you for being in the playoffs. Can't wait to paintball Stein. I did neglect to acknowledge the fact that I did lose the bourbon bet, which sucks. Uh, just fucking sucks.
I wanted to win that so bad, and I thought I had it in the books, and I thought I had fucking got. I thought I had ML. I thought I had him. But shit happens. I'm going to be a man of my word and live up to my bet, and you will get your bottle of bourbon, my friend. And we will we'll announce what it is once we, uh, once we land on it. I still got to go to the store and figure that out for you. We're going to go to Sounders, then we're going to wrap this bitch up and get into the playoff season. Um, we're going to kick it off with our boy Dave. Dave with the A. Good, good on you, brother. First off, I just want to say that my team, my team, Dust Cheeks, plus many others, was <laughs> fart. My team was fart, dude. But I do want to give some thanks and shout-outs. Shout-out to Brent. Great job, as always. Thanks for the great regular season. Good luck to everybody in the playoffs. Zach, thank you for not starting a defense, because if you started any defense that week when you had Minnesota on the bye, probably would have beat me. A couple defenses had negative, so who knows? We'll never know. But I won by three, fought for my life, started five new players. It was very active on the waiver wire that week. It was one of my hardest-fought wins I've had in recent memory. And really, you know, the only win I really had in recent memory. Besides beating Jake and BJ and Stein, I mean, that's those are three pretty good wings, wins with minus Stein. But beat two of the top teams to, to claw out of there. So I'm proud of myself. I'm going to build on this, learn, grow, and prosper. And you're going to see a different me next year. I'm going to really take this shit seriously in terms of preparation. You know, coming off a long summer and the league's coming back, I got to get into it. I got to get the right mindset. After Brent's draft, it's easy. You go to the other leagues, you're like, all right, I did this shit. But I'm going to be mocking my little Pecorino Romano off until I get a good squad. So, thank you, Zach. And uh, Jake and BJ and Stein. Also, Jake, thanks again for having my back. You know, bailing me out there in the end. I uh, couldn't do it on my own. Thanks, pal. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, son. Till next year, good luck in the playoffs, everybody. Thanks, brother. It's been real. Um, like I said, you grew a lot. This year, you became a man in the league. And you'll carry those lessons on with you in your journey to become a champion. We're going to go to our buddy Mike, who's going to check in like nine times like he always does. So we'll start off with the first one. Here's ML. Brent, I know I should be sending in Sounders all week, but uh just been busy, man. It's hard being employed, dude. This shit fucking sucks. Um, but yeah, man. Finish stuff. Uh, fuck this shit. You can erase this. Finish the season strong. <laughs> Fucking head heave, dude. I mean, that just gives me some sort of street cred in, like, Cherry Hill or Shaker Heights or wherever there's, like, a large population of Jews. Pretty much everywhere I've ever lived in my whole life, large population of Jews. I like to stick with my people. Uh, but I'm leaving the few people that are in this league that are the chosen ones, the Jews, in the fucking dust, dude. In the fucking dust. Uh, Brent, we talked about briefly a head heave and a uh, All Saints uh, statue or prize or something. I don't know what you're going to call the Gentile. Uh, the Gentle Gentile? I don't know. Pretty good. Head heave and Gentle Gentile. Um, either way, your boy. Head heave. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a big, like, like the one of those like Mexican Jesus statues, and we're gonna fight over the Jesus. That'll be the championship for the uh, for the Gentiles. Everybody wants the Jesus, and that'll be it. But yeah, man, congrats to you being head heeb, and happy Hanukkah to all my my Jew brethren. Happy Chan, 
or however you spell it, however you and yours spell it. Let's go back to Mike. But I do want to fucking sound off on Korean Negro Hunt, dude. God damn. My boy is from Willoughby, which is where we play golf, right? Up up, uh, up towards there, the Manakiki Golf Course. Manakiki. Uh, up towards that way. <laughs> Uh, what the fuck are you doing out of nine trying to bang a white chick from Middleburg Heights, which is like the equivalent of like Millville. Let's put it that way. Like the shittiest of the shitty whites. Um, from my understanding of, you know, population of, uh, Middleburg, but, uh, enough about Ohio. Fucking cream hunt, dude. That's, that's some dumb shit. That's some, like, black people shit, man. It's always, like, lately it's just, like, athletes and black people getting in trouble for shit. I don't want to sound racist, but, I mean, I'm not racist if it's facts, you know? Uh, but, yeah, royally cucked me, dude. If I had him, I mean, I'd, I would feel a lot more confident going into the playoffs, but uh, definitely pure cuckery on his part. Yeah, man, you're getting cucked on all angles. First you lose Kareem Hunt. Now you've lost James Conner, which was your best waiver pickup probably ever. Um, but shit, that's what happens, brother. So, uh, yeah, fuck, fuck him, and fuck you too, because we're we're competitors now. I'm coming for you. I want to beat Joe so bad to just get another fucking shot at you, my friend. I'm coming. All right, I believe we have one more from ML. On top of that, James Conner going down does not fucking help my squad, dude. Does not help my squad. I would love for you to possibly, I don't know, I mean, this is not going to work, but to hold a lottery of two players per team that don't make the cutoff for those who are in the playoffs, uh, I don't know, just to spice things up. I, I, I mean, that's not going to work at all because I'd be pissed. Um, but I don't know, something to think about. Uh, those players kind of go to waste, and it's just like, for nothing. I know Dave's trying to make a consolation bracket, but, like, we're going to be the winner of the losers. You know, it's like not – you don't get nothing for it. So, what's the fuck I want, Toad? Um, but, yeah, not as confident as I should be going into the playoffs, but I'm still feeling pretty good about my chances. So, we'll – I mean, like, see what happens. The bye week helps to get some people healthy, but we'll see, man. We'll see. You know, early this year, I would have said I have pretty good confidence that either Mike, um, Jake, or um, like BJ would win the league. And I would have been like so certain it would be one of those three teams. Now I'm not. Now I think any one of these teams in the playoffs could get it done because they've all shown all season that they have these weeks where they can put up monster numbers. So it's going to be interesting. We're going to close out the Sounders this, this evening or this afternoon or this morning, whenever you're listening, with Jake. Hey, Brent. I'm feeling a little sick, so I'm going to give you a rundown of some things I'm sick of. I'm sick of being fart-shamed by my fiancé. Like, I'm chilling in our room because I'm sick. And then she walks in here and she's like, oh, my God, it smells so bad. Why? I'm like, well, bitch, because I farted. She's like, well, why'd you fire? I was like, because I was in here alone. And then she's like, well, that's gross. I'm like, well, yeah, but it was just for me and, and myself. She's like, but don't you smell it? I'm like, no, I don't smell it. I'm sick. I got a stuffy nose. I can't smell anything. So I'm just f- farting my little fart off. <sighs> All right, what else am I sick of? 
I'm sick of being at work and on a conference call and they're like, uh, hey, Chad, uh, what do you think about this? And then just like five seconds of silence. And they're like, Chad, are you there? And then Chad jumps in and is like, oh, I was on mute. <laughs> and then Lisa and Dan and fucking Tina are like, oh, Chad was on mute. <laughs> That's so funny. Hey, Chad, get the fuck off mute and tell me what you have to say so I can get on with my fucking life, bud. All right. You know what else I'm sick of? I'm sick of going to work. I'm walking in the door and some fucking bitch with eight bags rifling around trying to find her ID at the fucking entrance. I know I've said this before, but, like, it just keeps happening. And, like, when will people learn? You're on an hour-long commute. Just have your ID out. Just have it ready. All right. That's all I'm sick of. Hopefully I get better and I get over my pus-pusitis. All right. Turd Ferguson, out. Hope you feel better, brother. And, yeah, man, people are shit. They just fucking can't figure their shit out, and they're, they do stupid shit. The conference calls are also the worst, especially because, like, if you work with a lot of people that aren't in your office, it's the most frustrating fucking thing in the world. Like, it's like, uh, like, this is like a conference call. Yeah, and then if we go over the slides, it's going to be a fucking thing over here. Hey, Jan- uh, uh, Janice, so I think I think you're, like, your, your line dropped or something. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Oh, sorry. I dropped the phone in the toilet. <laughs> like, it's the fucking worst. Just everybody should kill themselves. It's the holiday season, though. And uh, that's all I got for this week. I want to keep it short and sweet because I want to watch the fucking Sixers, and uh, that's my prerogative, you know? Our outro song here, I'm dedicating to our boy Dave, who holds a special place in my heart. I'm glad you didn't finish in last place this year, man, because I'm sick of pelting you with paintballs. But this year, we're going to turn a new leaf, and we'll get those playoff results as soon as we can. Good luck to all of our playoff teams. This has been Talking Ish with your commish. We'll see you next time. Let's have a mid-city fiesta with your West LA connection. Hop inside the vehicle, start crossing intersections. We learning life's lessons while we blaze the cerebral lessons. A man but still a child and I have so many questions. Struggle all my life to evade the misconceptions. Then find a place to live between the negatives and positives. While trying to make money, slinging synonyms and homonyms. I went to Pop's house so I could visit moms and them. Cut to the mall, cop the brand new pair of Timberlands. Then dip down a one-way time to screw up double K. And chill with my people on this bright and sunny day. My nigga Spliff was sipping I'm slapping hands with guests, okay the shady spot so we can circulate the stress Mary Jane invades my brain, now I can't complain I'm saying, what else is there to do besides relax? Let the problems in your mind become ancient artifacts Perhaps these raps can help you alleviate the things that's got you tripping You watch me demonstrate, first you ignore the nonsense and clear your conscience Let your pen touch the paper, write verbs and consonants As the words become a sentence, you start to feel indifferent The stress is out your mind, you feel like the weight was lifted Terrific, I'm glad we had this time to discuss i'm outro call me if you want to blaze one up when the stress burns my brain just like acid raindrops mary jane is the only thing that makes the pain stop i let the music take over my soul body and mind to kick back relax one time and you will find when the stress burns my brain just like acid raindrops mary jane is the only thing that makes the pain stop just let the music take over your soul body and mind and kick back relax one time and you will find i try to keep it stress-free take every day at a time make sure the family's in place and let the music unwind i got 
plans to take charge like major outlets. Ride around the country chilling in my LA Express on every street corner. The importance of having fun. Empty bottles, spill tobacco. Don't nobody carry guns. We keep our minds on fun and let the drums do the banging. On any given day, like Mr. Cooper, yo, we hanging. Under the blue sky to stay laced and small. Pollute your quarter inch cables with all the sound that we brought. Can't get enough. So, brother, pass another cold one. Feel like a dad at a ball game. Lamping with his son, Chuck D. Y'all word up. We bugging overtime from the light to the lime. Original star time. It's the double crisp one. And Camel brought the ammo. So we can shoot game like thugs on your sport channel. Take off the do rag, replace it with a thinking cap. If you didn't know, tell the bro he should have known that. We here for one thing, and that's to remain. What's the name? When the stress burns my brain just like acid raindrops Mary Jane is the only thing that makes my pain stop I let the music take over my soul, body, and mind To kick back, relax one time and you will find When the stress burns my brain just like acid raindrops Mary Jane is the only thing that makes my pain stop Just let the music take over your soul, body, and mind Kick back, relax one time and you will find Yo, LA, hit me one time, make it funky Double down on my underground sound I'm feeling lucky for this jackpot, I jack spot To fill in my crates, we laid back, chilling and feeling the music relates We on the to the two Hanging with my crew Bullshitting while we sitting down Drinking our sabu Into the afternoon Turns to the moonlight Funky tracks Nickel sacks We're styling all night Doing it right No one more time Music make it better My crew banging through blocks Like shots with my Beretta Snub nose to the hoes With problems I suppose Honey you gotta understand Your man's got flows And I'm leaving you So by the time I get to Phoenix Underground heads will fiend this Musical genius Trans global by the books Like Barnes with no more hooks, arm with overlooked talent to guess. So God bless crooks to steal loops and keep this shit alive. Something for your troops to sit around and bye bye. From camel, double and fest to ease stress. We brought the hip hop, so have fun and God bless. When the stress burns my brain, just like acid raindrops, Mary Jane is the only thing that makes the pain stop. I let the music take over my soul, body, and mind. Kick back, relax one time, and you will find. When the stress burns my brain, just like acid raindrops, Mary Jane is the only thing that makes the pain stop. Just let the music. Take over your soul, body, and mind and kick back, relax one time And you will find Pop collars to this Wear ice to this Drink Chris to this Yo, is it something we miss? Pop collars to this Wear ice to this Drink Chris to this Is it something we miss? Yeah Like my two-way Throw bows And do the shoulder shake We throwing bows up in here Do the shoulder shake Oh shit, my two-way Oops, my shoulder shake Oops, up, I'm throwing bows It's roll!